Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, of course, is the Ukraine story. I have dug so deep into this the last 24 hours. I just, there is absolutely no chance I'm even going to scratch the surface on the stuff I came up with. But so... Knowing me and my fire hose, I am going to just nonstop gush of information when I have this much stuff. I'm going to let you absolutely take it away, Binkley, and I'll just I'll I'll expand into all the space you leave me. All right. Well, what I've been doing is I've been just turning on the panel discussions that they're having on a daily basis and listening to them because they are really getting into the way that the elites are thinking. I really think of what you're doing as like a sit rep, like a situation report. Like, I think that's what the army, like they get together every morning. It's like, here's the sit rep. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. And this time they had one last night at the Council on Foreign Relations hosted by Richard Haas, the well-known globalist. And they made it very clear how they view what's going on in Ukraine and what outcome they would ex- they they expect and intend to happen. And here's a quick little situation report of that Council on Foreign Relations panel discussion on the Russia-USA relations was the focus of it. Russia-USA relations. Number one, never let a good crisis go to waste. This isn't me inferring that. They said that multiple times. And then they said another way to say that because they commented on how it's just another way to say never let a good crisis go to waste. That was the underlying theme. They see what's going on in the Ukraine crisis as an opportunity to do a reset for America to do a reset when it comes to creating an international coalition of nations. They said that back in the 90s, when there was this first group, this, this coalition that was put together, that it was America-led. It was led by America's power and influence, and America was in charge, basically. But now they're gonna, they can do a reset of it. They can do it differently, and this time America is going to be allowing the other countries to take the lead. They're going to be stepping back, and it's going to be co-led. And he said it's very strategic that the other countries and not America are taking the lead on imposing the sanctions. That is a strategic maneuver. That's really funny because it's the exact opposite of what Lavrov said yesterday and what the actual evidence shows to keep to cut Germany off from 50 percent of their projected gas supply is not in Germany's interest. The I, I don't know if the U.S. is on top of the triangle. Like I always think of U.S., U.K., Israel. I really don't know how it goes, but that is the coalition that is using Europe as a beard. Yes. The way that I interpreted this was this is their attempt to it it might be led by Americans or globalists that are American. But this is what we've talked about in that this is a grand demonstration that America is not as powerful as it once was. And it's stepping back just like the Great Reset once to adopt a different model of governance, which is more likely to veer towards what China is doing when it comes to the Great Reset and all that stuff. And and, and I have to say, I actually was thinking for a while now, the new New World Order. Putin is going to implement a new New World Order. And for a minute, I was like, wow, maybe he's actually doing this, you know, on his own. And it's out of their control. But then I quickly sanity checked myself and was like, no way. I mean, they they just were 
prodding him and prodding him and prodding him and it actually took them eight years to get him to do this. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is a new, new world order, but he is, uh, he, and he is doing it, but they want it. And we even heard the Ukrainian woman come on and say that she's going to help usher in this new world order on her interview with this is either Fox or CNN. And we had the one guy on the Council on Foreign Relations saying that NATO wouldn't be where it was today if it wasn't for Putin's actions in 2014. And this year, basically thanking him is what it came off as. They also talked about how China is now in a position to have influence over Russia and that they're in a situation where they might have to go to China and say, China, can you talk to Russia for us? Can you talk them down in this current situation, which then would make China look like the hero that stopped nuclear war if they frame it in that context, which would also fit into this theme of America's power waning and China rising. And the next theme was their only acceptable outcome. Very clear, Putin is no longer in charge of Russia. That is the outcome that not only do they hope that they said very clearly they are confident will happen. Putin will be removed from power, and the way that he's going to be removed from power, they had a discussion about direct versus indirect. Now, direct would be sending troops over there. Indirect is what we're doing with the sanctions, but also indirect is attempting to influence the public in Russia into like a color revolution type scenario where they revolt against Putin, and they also emphasized it could come from the Russians themselves, the Russian people, or it could come from the inside, from someone close to Putin, and they even commented on how Putin, Putin's people could be watching this. Putin could see this and he could start to get a little bit nervous, almost like they're antagonizing him. So they're sitting here saying our only acceptable outcome is for Putin to no longer be in power, yet Putin has, what is it, the biggest nuclear weapons or the most nuclear weapons in the world? That seems like a dangerous combination if Putin is someone who is not in on this whole thing with them. That I don't know, but you're right. He's been backed into a corner. And I don't know if you want to be saying we're not going to accept any outcome except for you to be removed from power, and this guy's on his last leg. He's got nu- nuclear weapons, giving him a reason to, to play with that a little bit. So that's a, a dangerous game they're playing. And how they're pressuring this, other... Oh, go ahead. I think, sorry to interrupt, but I think that goes a little bit to the Kaczynski idea where he says, and he was thinking of it from a math and science point of view, is like these scientists who want to change the world by figuring out nuclear fission or whatever it is that they're working on, CERN, particle accelerators, splitting the atoms, you know, stuff like that. They, uh, it's possible they could set off a chain reaction that could destroy the universe. Now, I don't know if that's actually true or not, but this was what Kaczynski was saying. Like, he thinks that that is true. But as an individual scientist sitting there looking at the glory of a Nobel Prize on the one hand and the one in a trillion possibility of destroying the universe on the other, the one in a trillion possibility of destroying the universe is is doesn't weigh at all with the one in a hundred chance that you're going to get a Nobel Prize. Whereas for the rest of us, for the billions of people on Earth and the billions of people yet to come, we have no there's no value for us in that Nobel Prize. So we would never even take a one in a trillion chance. So these people are in it for the glory. And yes, they could take small risks, although they are notoriously physical cowards. They don't actually take any kind of risk for themselves. They send other boys to war. Even their own kids sometimes get hurt, but not they themselves. Rarely in a position of real risk. And I think that that their position in government in corporations is all insulates them individually from the cost. Like somebody asked me, why don't libertarians object to limited liability corporations? And I've actually dug into that. And I think I do object to the limited liability corporation in some ways. It's a complicated thing I've gotten in before, but 
they I think they look at this stuff as they are totally insulated from the impact of their actions and to the point where they don't even care if they kill people. They don't even weigh it as a moral question. No, not at all. This is a game to them. Listening to this one in particular last night, these people think they're so much better than everybody else. It's disgusting. It's sickening. They're talking about how the they go do backdoor channels and they just prod and prod and prod and prod until people just give in. And the guy even said, you got to work people. You got to work them. You got to work them. You got to work them until they give you what you want and what, what we need to happen. Very clearly, he stated that. That's what they said in Event 201. We'll use our soft power on the elected yep. officials. It's yeah. disgusting. And to that point, one of the other themes was how they're pressuring countries who are neutral. And they were talking about India specifically. And the question that was raised wow. was, was... India was top of mind for me yesterday, too. Yeah. they, And that's exactly what they focused on. They said, India has this history of wanting to be neutral. And they said that like it's a disgusting, horrible thing. And they said, sometimes they will support us. Sometimes they will support Russia. Talking about uh, when they're against, when America's against China, they'll support us. When we're against Russia, they'll support Russia or they'll stay neutral, stuff like that. And then the question was, we just, we need to talk about whether or not this is okay. And the answer was, no, it's not okay. And how do we pressure these other countries? And apparently, there was a leaked document from a Biden administration official. They didn't say the name of the official. I looked it up and I have not been able to find it yet. But they said that this leaked document showed that somebody in the administration wanted to tell India that they cannot be neutral, that they are either with us or against us. They are either with Ukraine or they are against Ukraine. And this is the position that this Council on Foreign Relations panel wanted to take when it comes to India right there. I, I would be I would like to find that leaked memo. There was no no thread to pull on. There. No, he just said it. He, almost under his breath, he was because he was talking about that theme. You're either with Ukraine or against it, and he kind of said, "Ask somebody in the leaked memo from the Biden administration." Said, and then he didn't say anything else about it. I looked it up for a little while, and I haven't been able to find it yet. Maybe I'll spend a little, little more time on it over the weekend. That's that black and white thinking, that propaganda that came from the falsehoods during war. That anybody who doesn't agree with you 100 percent is evil, right? <laughs> is bad, Absolutely. is a traitor. Yeah. So. All right, real quick, you talked about the neo-Nazis in Ukraine yesterday, and so I started digging a little bit because you, you piqued my interest there, and we see all the propaganda where they're saying anybody who says that the Ukrainians are Nazis or there's Nazis in Ukraine is Russian propaganda. They even said that at some of these panel discussions. Very clearly, no, that's Russian propaganda. So I did a timed search to see how often the mainstream media talked about the problem of the Ukraine Nazis in, in the past before this stuff emerged, and I got to tell you, they talked about it all the freaking time all the time they talked about the problem and just a couple of little quotes here from one article from the hill are enlightening to how they used to talk about when was this this was in 2017 all right here we go yeah 2017 and the article's title is is november 9th 2017 the, rea- the reality of neo-Nazis in Ukraine is far from Kremlin propaganda. That's the headline. And the article says, wow. some Western observers claim that there are no neo-Nazi elements in Ukraine, chalking the assertion up to propaganda from Moscow. Unfortunately, they are sadly mistaken. There are indeed neo-Nazi formations in Ukraine. There has been overwhelming confirmed. This has been overwhelmingly confirmed by nearly every major Western outlet. The fact that analysts are able to dismiss it as propaganda disseminated by Moscow is 
profoundly disturbing. And then they go on to discuss the most infamous neo-Nazi group in Ukraine, which is the, you might have mentioned them yesterday, AZOV Battalion. The A- Azov Battalion. Yeah, brought up they then. They were created in May 2014 over in Donbass in order to suppress them because the real, the regular Ukrainian soldiers were laying down their arms. Yeah, that's they, they mentioned when they were created and they said that one of the leaders stated that the mission of that group was to lead Ukraine to to lead the white races of the world in a final crusade for their survival against the Semite-led Utter Menchism. Uber, Uber mentioned. Yes, that. Superman is like Nietzsche. It's a German Nazi thing. So, but they, but the thing is, like yesterday I was talking about Tiny Book as a Nazi. I don't know if Tiny Book's a Nazi personally. I don't know if he gives one crap about ethnicity or Jews or anything, but they are tapping into this feeling. And I think they actually had, they kept Nazis around in Europe since since World War II so that they would have a dysfunctional subculture to tap into at any time. If you read Conjuring Hitler, they deliberately found that I'm talking about the West, the bankers, the British deliberately fostered the most dysfunctional subculture they could find that would weaken the populace, but not attack the banking structure, the oil structure, none of that. And this seems like what Nazis are for. Yeah. Well, this and, article. And I've, I've cautioned the Americans against that. Like, don't go in for this right stuff at all. Don't go in for the national stuff at all. You can protect your yeah. country. You can go to the foundational documents, but it's a trap in order to create schisms in your country and undermine the ability for you to defend those foundational documents shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. I'll put the link to this in the show notes, but it goes through and it says stuff like. It, it shows all the coverage that these mainstream outlets gave, and then it'll say, how is this Russian propaganda? And then it gives all more coverage the mainstream outlets gave. How is this Russian propaganda? So very a great article relevant today that was published in 2017. I'm laughing right now because I just saw a Snopes headline pop up that's fact-checking whether or not somebody put a hit out on Putin's head, which we talked about yesterday. And I know what the fact-check is going to be. It's going to be, he clearly said he wasn't intending to have Putin assassinated, and he put, but here's what really happened. He put Are you a, talking about Lindsey Graham? No, not Lindsey Graham. Because you know Lindsey Graham. I know said, he said it too. Yeah. But I'm well, talking who about who will the, rid me of this meddlesome czar? Yeah, I'm talking about the guy, the businessman who put the hit out on it. He actually put a photo of Putin that said, "Wanted dead or alive, I will pay you millions." But then <laughs> after he got banned from Facebook for that, he said, uh-huh. "Oh, I didn't mean to have him killed." Even though he okay. said it. So wait, is anyone anywhere saying that he was just kidding or something? Is that what you just said? Yes, that's a, the Snopes fact check is going to okay. say he did not call for him to be assassinated, even though it said wanted, dead, or alive. Okay, but when you actually say JK, you can still go to jail for saying something they right. don't like. Yes, yes, exactly. All right, so I'm going to hold my other stuff about the Russian cats and about the... <laughs> international competition for the XR because I know you have a lot of stuff to do. I do have a point that's uh, a little bit deeper on that that I'll hold for the XR and I'll let you take it away for the... Okay, well, I didn't expect that because you did have a few other stories, but we've we've got so much today and so much for the XR. So um, I'll just throw in what I got and then I do want to save space for the deep dive. So 
just I, we've got a lot of trolls coming out of the woodwork. I am anyway, because I'm clearly taking a stand. I don't care. People are trying to tell me other things about Putin and he's no hero and don't think he's not connected with international bankers. Like, obviously, I know all that. I know all that. It, it was it's impossible for me not to think of it in the context of that, which is why I realized that the West has to want this. Yes. And you know what that is? That's that either or thinking you were talking about a yes. second ago. The, the no gray area, black and white, you have to stand on one yes. side or another. When we allow them to frame a situation as either or, as that context, and allow them to block out all the other possibilities, that's how this type of debate conflict comes up. And it's just like... Uh, propaganda, where just because propaganda is propaganda doesn't mean it's false. Just because what Putin is doing is justified doesn't mean he's not doing it for his own interests. And the question is, what are his own interests? It seems like his interests are actually aligned with Russia's interests. So in the deep dive, I have this crazy thing. I guess I should save, um, yeah, some of this for that. So, all right, what, what I wanted to hit right now is that Uh, There was an article, hat tip to Fat Mitch for finding this for me. It's called Washington's Iron Curtain. It was an article from June 2014 by a woman named Diana Johnstone. I think it seems like she's British. Her, the website was Another World is Possible. I don't know this website. I don't know her, but this article was amazing. Fat Mitch told me it was like the event 201 for Ukraine, Uh, which caught my interest. So it's a really, really long article, very comprehensive. I'm putting it in the show notes. But uh, so what she goes in to say is this was June 2014. So it was right after the coup, six months after the Victoria Newland tape was um, leaked. And in in the Victoria Newland tape, if you recall, she's talking to Jeffrey Pyatt, the ambassador, and he says, we've got to get this thing off the ground before Russia has time to react. And I always thought of it as Russia, they could, Russia wouldn't react if, if um, they got it off the ground. But what he was saying is he expected Russia to react. He just wanted to make sure there was no turning back. The way they murdered the czar and his children, you know, you do that to make sure there's no turning back. So they wanted to make sure this thing was off the ground before Russia reacted, but Russia barely reacted. And she points out, Diana Johnstone points out here, what I've said also is that there, it was a trap that was set for Putin where it's a lose-lose for him and a win-win for Victoria Nuland. So either he doesn't do anything and then he gives up like absolutely critical um, naval base and Ukraine is actually, I think it actually means translated borderland. I think she brings this out. It's a buffer zone. It's a borderland. It's a real national security threat for him. So he could either back off and lose or he could be aggressive about protecting it and also lose because he would be decried as a uh, Hitler. So what he did was he did back off. He really didn't do anything except for he made space for Crimea, which was really historically and traditionally and culturally Russian, to just democratically vote to to move away from Ukraine. So he actually found a third path and he was still decried as Hitler. So there was no way around it. Okay, but here's what was crazy. Here's the event 201. In September 2013, so... 
Victoria Newland did her Chevron speech in December 2013 and did the coup in early 2014, February 2014. This says in September 2013, uh, Victor Pinchuk, one of Ukraine's richest oligarchs, paid for an elite strategic conference in Yalta. So um, the... Economist, which is a total where she calls the elite media, reported on what it called a display of fierce diplomacy. And this is how the Economist described it. The future of Ukraine, a country of 48 million people uh, and of Europe, was being decided in real time. So these elites got together. The participants were as follows. Okay, this is in 2013. Bill and Hillary Clinton Former CIA head General David Petraeus, former U.S. Treasury Secretary Lawrence Summers, former World Bank head Robert Zoellick. If you've been following news for as long as I have, I I know all these people from um, these machinations here and elsewhere in the past, but I actually not in Ukraine. I wasn't familiar. Swedish Foreign Minister um, Shimon Peres, former Israeli um, Prime Minister Tony Blair, Gerhard Schroeder, uh, Dominique Strauss-Kahn, Mario Monti. These are all heads of state and other really high-ranking guys from back then. Uh, The Lithuanian president, Poland's foreign minister, um, both President Viktor Yanukovych, who was to be deposed five months later, was there. His recently elected successor, Petro Poroshenko, who became president after he was deposed, was there in 2013 plotting this out. Former U.S. Energy Secretary Bill Richardson, he is the deepest of the deep. I think he was the governor of New Mexico, and I always figured that's why Bill, um, why Jeffrey Epstein had his stuff there. I really do think so. Um, They were there to talk about the shale gas revolution, which the U.S. hoped to use to weaken Russia by substituting fracking for Russia's natural gas reserves. I mean, this plays right into what I'm thinking about today with the LNG, the liquefied natural gas. The center of the discussion was the deep and comprehensive free trade agreement between Ukraine and the European Union and the prospect of Ukraine's integration with the West. And they were everybody was euphoric, except for there was one guy there who was from Russia. And he said, look, I'm not even going to talk about how this would affect Russia. I'm going to tell you it would bankrupt Ukraine. And over the next couple of months, when Yanukovych realized that, he was playing both sides against the middle the whole time, which is what Putin accused him of. And he, boy, did he lose that uh, gamble. But Forbes was also reporting on this. And it said for Mo, and it explains that he was, that Yanukovych was playing both sides against the middle, that he brought his own downfall in. He did not listen to Putin. It doesn't say it there. Um, it says, it, go, it goes on to say that Forbes, the Forbes reporter concluded that the Russian position is far closer to the truth here than the happy talk coming from Brussels and Kiev. Like it was all bullcrap being blown up the uh, caboose of Yanukovych and, and he was super corrupt anyway. And then um, this article, it just goes on and on. But one of the things it says is what Russia was trying to do was make Ukraine a bridge to the West. They identified that different ethnicities, different religions in Ukraine had to be treated differently. You had to have a federation. You had to have these kind of um, somewhat more autonomous subregions if you wanted to keep the country together. And that in that way, Ukraine could actually be a bridge. Boy, Newland wanted nothing to do with that. Nothing. And uh, and she just um, provoked this whole thing and then blamed it all on, I think it opens with, 
Putin's a Russian megalomaniac expansionist. Like this article from 2014, how they were going to portray uh, Putin. It's just, it's just amazing. And what's really galling is how our mainstream media continues to act like not only is this stuff not true, but they've never heard any of it before. Yeah, they talked about this a little bit in that panel discussion last night. They raised the question: the question of was this Russian invasion? inevitable because of NATO's expansion, their continuing expansion since then and since even before then? Or is this just Putin, you know, being a tyrant? And of course, they went with Putin being a no tyrant. No way. Of co- well, one of them, kind of like that other one we the played the clips of. Yeah, this was a different chick. Oh, she. Mm. Talked about it where it was clear she was talking around it, but she was saying, well, the NATO expansion might have had a little bit to do with it, but that's not really what's causing it. It's just And Putin, the coup! Right. How about the coup? And you know what she said? You know what she said the main cause of it is? And we've heard this theme over and over again the past week. He was so isolated during the <laughs> pandemic that he had a chance to think about all his Western resentments. And that's what oh led to this. Gosh, I sniffed that out. The you really second did. You it, did. It, you, like, you nailed that. But but in this in this article, it says that they expected them to. They expected Yats and company to be able to get Ukraine into NATO immediately. And that yeah. and that did not happen. And yeah. so they really. That I mean, to me, that was asking for World War Three. Really, really asking for it. Wow! Holy cannoli. Well, before we get to our deepest dive of the day, where we will get a first-hand account of life in Ukraine, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the DMBXR, which is why the canceling of all things Russia could backfire, and Monica shares her suspicions about some recent and strange deaths. But before we get to all of that, please consider supporting the show. It's a win-win for you and us. We get the support we need to continue providing free DNBs to thousands of listeners daily, and you get tons of extra content, all commercial-free. This is the last day today to take advantage of our low introductory offer on Locals, $5 per month for all of our premium content. Go to propreport.locals.com, sign up today. Just to give you an idea of the kind of value we're talking about, in February alone, the shortest month of the year, we had over 23 hours of commercial-free XR material. This isn't including live streams or deep dives or any of the ultra-premier exclusive material, just the basic subscription commercial-free XR material. We have been told that we give the most value for your podcast dollar, and I think that this proves it. And don't forget, you can also support the show by supporting our sponsors. Check out the shop tab on thepropreport.com for a list of some recent sponsors and promo codes. And now on to the deepest dive of the day. I was, last night I was tweeting. I try to keep up on my tweets, although um, I love the interaction on locals. I try to spend time in both places. We, um, I have a lot of Twitter followers. And what um, one thing that came up, I can't remember the name of the of the account, but he put up a three video series of a woman. It was a it was a live call in TV show. So, you know how we used to have callers on WSB. This woman was calling in on Zoom on a live TV show. And it was live, so it had to be managed. And I guess, I don't know if they didn't screen her correctly or what, but she was a French 
speaking person. She was Ukrainian or Ukrainian and French. Her, she had family in Ukraine, but she her French seemed perfect to me. So she was she lived in France or split her time in France. So she was there. They, so they they start out by asking her, "Have your family escaped from Kiev?" And she says, "No, they didn't, and they don't intend to. It was rumors." that expected that got people to leave which is exactly what i said the other day right that or it was the ukrainian tanks it was the ukrainian action and then on locals ism can't had by coincidence at that same time posted this live cam from kiev and it was like the war in kiev brought to you live and it was literally a six hour block where there was just absolutely nothing not one thing and it's just his comment was like is there anything going on in Kiev at all. But this woman, what this woman had to say was her firsthand account. And it was absolutely fascinating. I have the tweet in the show notes, but um, it's in French. So I, uh, they had this, the closed captioning. So I transcribed it for you and I'm going to tell you what she said. And, and you can say like, okay, well, maybe she's just a Putin puppet, right? But then in that case, you have to also understand that when we, when we listen to all these English speakers coming out of Ukraine, are they not Western puppets? And she's not even like speaking Russian. You expect if someone's from Ukraine speaking Russian, they're going to be pro-Russian. She's just speaking French. Yeah. What do you call those protesters all holding signs in English and chanting English chants? Yeah. Puppets. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. So she just, she just gets into it. She just gets into it. This chick, she was awesome. She goes, the roots of the conflict are starting to show in 2014. And right now, things are terrible in Ukraine. Two million Ukrainians are living in terrible conditions. Heating costs are half of a month's wage. She's not talking about Donbass. She's in Kiev. Um, She said, why should we defend this puppet president and regime? I'm not talking about the the puppet youth that Putin might install. I'm talking about our present president. Life is indeed difficult here. The government is changing constantly. The economy is tanking. The corruption is everywhere. So the host goes, are you saying, are you saying that the democratically elected president Zelensky is actually a puppet leader? (laughs) It's like freaking flabbergasted. Like like that is such a a shocking claim. I mean, just look at his body of work throughout his life. (laughs) She starts laughing. She starts laughing. Oh, it gets worse than that. It's not even Zelensky. He, he gets worse than that, the host. But she she starts laughing. She goes, yes. And he is by no means a Democratic leader. He has banned four opposition TV stations. Four. And don't forget, yep. his buddy owns a TV station. So I guess that was the one that left standing. Isn't that convenient if you own one of the five TV stations and four of them get banned? Yeah, he's apparently super corrupt. And the story going about going around about him today is not only did he survive the one assassination attempt, he has survived at least three assassination attempts this week. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> no, I mean, I'd be surprised if he's even there. So, you know, in Kiev, journalists, she said, are mysteriously disappearing. So you say, she said, you say Putin kills journalists. Well, Ukrainian journalists are also being killed. So uh, I verified that. I'm putting in the show notes. Actually, a Russian journalist went to Ukraine to report and he was killed and he's not the only one. And she said a lot of journalists have been killed these past few years. Can you believe that? It's complicated and no one wants to talk about it. She keeps starting to say to them, it's complicated. She said it like three times. It's complicated. We There are details you, we need to talk about. So the guy so the guy says, are you, let me get this straight. Are you saying, and he's using his hands and everything to try to like understand or say, 
are you saying that the West idealizes Ukraine and that Russia we portray as evil, but it's more complicated than that? Is that what you're saying? And are your relatives planning to flee war-torn Kiev or whatever? She just starts laughing. She's like, they're not going to flee. They're not going to the office today, but nobody's fleeing. She said, and by the way, what she's saying about how crappy it is there is exactly why they say, oh my gosh, everybody run away. We'll open the floodgates to Poland. Everyone's like, sure, that'd be great. It's exactly what I thought. They're prompting the exodus with rumors and tanks. And because the living conditions are terrible, they want to go elsewhere. It makes perfect sense. Her story makes sense. So, And they're um, sending all those weapons over there, military weapons, giving them to... Who knows? Yes. Who, who's getting yes. those weapons? Yes. And they're still going to be there. They're setting it up to actually be a very dangerous place. So the another guest, the sh- I'm going to call him the shill guest on the show. So it was like three people as a host. And like maybe two hosts. There was the chick kind of moderator. There was a host. And then there was two guests. So the shill guest says he's in the background going, oh, you know, he's like, he has he's a not shocked happy. face on. Yeah. He's not happy with how the host is handling this. So he goes and he says, this is this. This is impossible to say with a straight face. This is the first time I've heard someone call a democratic country a puppet government. I'm, I'm <laughs> crying. What? Crying. Okay, immediately he's done. Yeah, Cut his mic. Nothing he says he, after that is, you can't trust it. it. it what, is what valuable. Wait, the very last word of the video gets that guy back and, and, and how. I just was just cracking up because... He obviously didn't hear the leaked or anything Newland ever said about Yanukovych, right? So he's never heard this. That was my reaction. So, so then the host says he's trying to look like objective. And he comes back and he says to her, I've heard some people in Kiev, not in Donbass, but in Kiev, say they are happy about the Russian invasion. And she says, and this is very interesting. She says, absolutely. And about our supposedly democratic government, many Ukrainians are suspicious about the validity of the elections. Do you get it? It's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So. um, Right. And that's exactly why Richard Haas and them at the CFR want to say to you, you're either with Ukraine or against Ukraine. So people don't look into those complicated details in those gray areas. Yes. And I've actually heard people say, what's take what took Putin so long? You know, and he said he should have done it a long time ago. And as you can see in that 2014 article I'm putting in the show notes, yes, it is something that uh, they expected and hoped for for a long time. So the shill, the shill guy comes back and he says, yeah, you, you think that you should have cut his mic before that. Listen to this. He goes like this, so funny, and it's extra funny because he's French. It's true that, and he's doing his hands like this. It's true. Oh, nobody can see my hand. You can tell what what my hands are doing by my the way I'm imitating this guy. He's flailing around like someone yes. who doesn't have an argument. Yeah, he's just, he's very effete. Okay, it's true that the current government isn't perfect, and maybe some journalists have been assassinated. Maybe some journalists have been assassinated. But, but those journalists-, journalists were carrying water for Putin. No, he didn't say that. He goes, but journalists are assassinated in other countries, too, like Bulgaria, for example. But you can't say that just because of that, they aren't democratic. Maybe the judiciary is flawed. (laughs) But you can't say just because of that, it isn't democratic. And then she's just in She's not dumbstruck. She's laughing at these people. Um, And then you hear in the background 
Uh, then you hear that, and the host says, many people have died in Ukraine. And then you hear that there's another guest, and he goes, and Don Bass. And then the host goes, and in other regions. And it's like, mm, Don Bass. So then she says, the woman says, I will not support this government. Just look at the economy, at the standard of living. You know, for a lot of people, that's what they, they don't hate government on principle. They hate them when they betray them and rob them and keep them from progressing in any way. So, um, so then the host says, like, like so-and-so said, if Ukrainians aren't satisfied with the government, they can use democratic methods to make a change. You can't be like Russia and just invade. So finally, the honest guest, they give him, they, he's just so uh, uh, overwhelmed. They finally give him the camera and he says, don't forget that in February 2014, there was a coup d'etat that overthrew the democratically elected president. And that was the yeah. end of it. And journalists who might be reporting stuff that might help people democratically elect someone are being jailed or killed. So it's hard to have that democratic election. And the de- and she also said that the democratic election was was uh, questionable. They don't even think that Zelensky and his servant of the People Party. Go figure. Go figure. The guy who has the most popular TV show who's the candidate of the guy who owns the TV station, gets elected and actually creates an entire party out of whole cloth, dissolves the Rada, and then allows for the majority to be taken over by the servant of the People Party. Remember, this is basically the Apprentice Party. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's and he, just ridiculous. You have this you have this guy running around doing selfie videos in a, a bunker, which I'm sure it's like a setup bunker. Probably not. It's, it's probably just his office. So you're saying the stuff in his and when he's wearing the B and D stuff, the bondage and humiliation stuff. Yeah, when that he's got was, the ball gag in his mouth. Right. That was before he was president, or is that no? I'm saying in the that they're making it look <laughs> like he's kidding. in a bunker at times, like yeah. he's really under threat. Like there's assassination attempts coming every few hours. Right. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if we heard a story tomorrow that said President Zelensky single-handedly fights off 15 Russians who were trying to kill him because they're just trying to make this guy's the myth of Zelensky. They're trying to build it up into this global hero with these stories that just seem clearly bogus and have very little evidence, if any evidence, to support them. And they are hilarious juxtaposed with the video he made wearing B&D leashes and straps and a ball gag can you put that in the show notes is, i was just joking is there really a video of him with a ball gag you i thought you sent that to me i sent you a video oh the one of him dancing yeah okay, yeah, I, yeah i'll put those that are in the bonded, show notes. those are bondage and humiliation stuff like those are harnesses made of black yeah. leather so there's a video i shared it on locals and i shared it with the question is this real because in the video oh. you only see his face in the close-up shot okay. so okay. i think there's a possibility it's manipulated okay. although i have found no debunkings of it but i also can't find yeah. the video anywhere else so i will link to where yeah, that video okay. is it's on linkedin actually okay. i mean he was a comedian it's not insane that he would do that but i counter with the picture the video of trump shaving the head of uh the the wwe guy yeah right you know what i mean like that these guys are what they are they are what they actually they're stated occupation is actor entertainer comedian yeah. like whatever yeah That's it's what believable it's plausible that he would make yeah. a video like that for yeah, sure yeah yeah okay 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 so you can you can put it in with a caveat i do have two shout outs all right so um 
One is, and I missed this the other day. I'm so annoyed with myself. Matt, who we love, 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 love. He um, wants to shout out his grandfather, Tom Gillum, who passed away recently. It was immediately before he sent me the shout out, but I only just got it um, a couple of weeks later. He was a Pearl Harbor survivor. Now, FDR has blood on his hands for Pearl Harbor, who had recently celebrated, sorry for the... uh, Editorial comment, Matt. I shouldn't junk up your shout out with that. So Tom Gillum was a Pearl Harbor survivor who had recently celebrated his 101st birthday. That must have been wonderful. But he did pass away. And Matt loves him and obviously respects him. We all do. Wow, Pearl Harbor survivor. That must have been absolutely nuts. And Yeah, but he had some stories for sure. My father was in the Navy in the Pacific after Pearl Harbor, obviously. And um, he, boy, uh, right after he got out, he got that book, Back Door to War, first edition, that talks about, has all uh, State Department documents on FDR uh, basically setting that up. And it was terrible, terrible thing. Terrible, terrible. I bet he was one of the last remaining survivors of Pearl Harbor. I bet. I bet. I wonder if there are many left. Yeah, yeah. How many could there be? Especially post-vax. So, also, I wanted to tell people that our favorite snack in the world, I don't know about you, but definitely me, I absolutely love Truth Smacks. And these are not paid endorsements. I just love them. I can't eat regular trail mix anymore. Uh, So, our friend Suzanne is going to be at a big flea market in Bonita Springs, Florida, this whole weekend. So if you're anywhere near Bonita Springs, Florida, you cannot miss this giant flea market. She's going to be there with her truth smacks and she probably needs some support because not everybody wants to be smacked in the face with the quotes that are on her truth smacks. Even if you don't agree with her, they're worth buying the snacks because they're so good, but she just likes to get her message out there, which I absolutely love. So if you're anywhere near there, give Suzanne a high five, walk past her booth at that big flea market in Bonita Springs, Florida. And that's all I got for today. And it is Friday, so I cannot wait for the DPP tonight. I'm making a Mary Pickford. It's going to be fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And to join that, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. Again, the DPP tonight, patreon.com slash propaganda report. Sign up there. We will talk to you guys tomorrow or in the DMBXR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.